Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. If you have your Bibles, if you have your phone, or if you need the screen, we got it taken care of for you. This is Jesus teaching, Matthew chapter 5, and he says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Has anybody ever been hungry before? Is anybody hungry right now? Let me just see a showing of hands and let me know how long I got here. My watch is still on Central Standard Time, so uh, if I preach long, it's because I'm looking at my watch and I know you're hungry. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to be very long because I'm hungry at the moment too. But here's what I know. That Jesus makes us a promise that if we are hungry, we are going to be filled because when you're hungry, you do whatever it takes to not be hungry. And everything about God is holy. God is holy. His word is holy. His presence is holy. His spirit is holy. And so I believe tonight is going to set the tone for what's going to happen for the next three days. And I simply want to preach to you on two words, holy hunger. I want you to look somebody close to you and say, are you hungry? Find somebody you haven't spoken to yet. Give them a high five. Say, I'm glad to see you at Youth Explosion 2020. And you may be seated. Is anybody glad to be here tonight? Growing up, my mom and family would always tease me because they would say, something has to be wrong with you because you eat so much to be such a small person. They would give me nicknames such as a bottomless pit, so on and so forth. You get, you get the point here. I love to eat, and I can confess that nothing has changed. I still love to eat. Only now you can see the effects of that if I'm not careful. I can think back over my life when it seemed like I was so hungry that I could not make it another second. Has anybody ever felt like that? You're like, bro, I am so hungry. I don't know if I could last another step. I just really need to take a seat. I've got to kind of take it cool. I'm hungry. I would rather be hot than I would be hungry. I would rather be cold than hungry. And today I got to experience the coldest weather that I've ever experienced in my life. It is colder in the hallway of my apartment than it is in the state of Louisiana. And when I walked outside to the vehicle with Pastor Dan, I said, if I don't get in the Jeep in a hurry, I may not make it. And we pulled up and I saw my hero and he's sitting on the front row with a red short sleeve shirt. And I said, man, I got to talk to him. You've got to teach me your ways. I barely made it into the building. But I'd rather be cold than hungry still. I would rather be sleepy 
than hungry. I would rather be sad than hungry. And some of you are looking at me like I am sad when I'm hungry. <laughs> My wife, she's not here so I can say this, although she may be watching. I love you. She suffers from this condition that I call being hangry. Has anybody ever heard of that? It's when if you're hungry, you get angry. You know, like the Hulk, he turns green when he's mad and he says, you're not going to like me if I'm angry. My wife was like, Drew, you're not going to like me if I'm hungry. But it's the strangest thing, Pastor Woodward, because every time we're going to go eat, my wife always wants to eat at a place called I don't know. If you have a girlfriend and you're able to take her out, you understand that sentiment. Where would you like to go? I don't know. So if you have enough money to start up a business, if you can open a restaurant and title it, I don't know, you'll be a very rich man. She never wants to go where I want to go. She just doesn't know where she wants to go. But I can confess to you that I'm probably worse than her because when I mean breakfast, I'm already thinking about lunch. And when I mean lunch, I'm already thinking about dinner. And uh, last a uh, couple months ago, our church did this extended three-day fast. And I'm the student pastor there in my local church. So some students in our youth group thought it would be funny to start a group thread. And it was solely devoted to where we were going to eat when the fast was over. <laughs> they were sending me pictures of these delicious meals that people were making and chocolate and desserts. And I just told them, this is not helping right now. Because you know the funniest thing happens when you're hungry. Anything sounds and looks good. Things you would not normally consider eating, you will reconsider if you get hungry enough. And from 2007 to 2009, Snickers, has anybody ever had one of those? They were experiencing a lag in their growth and they started to fall behind the other chocolate companies and they were about to lose their spot as the number one chocolate seller in the world. And they understood, they said, we've got to do something about this. And so they got with their creative teams and they got with all the smart people and they said, what are we going to do? We somehow have to regain the attention of the people who are no longer eating our products. So they decided they were kind of going to come up with this new motto and they were going to buy a Super Bowl commercial and they were going to launch it. And so they did. And in 2010, they launched this commercial with their new motto. And you see this group of guys who are in the backyard just playing backyard football and they kind of just throw the ball to the guy except he's not him he's this old or elderly lady by the name of Betty White has anybody ever seen that you see that and so his friends are like bro you're playing like Betty White and he looks back at him and he's like I don't know what's going on and then his girlfriend runs on the field and she hands him a snicker and he bites and all of a sudden he snaps back to who he was and the motto was simply this you're not you when you're hungry I want you to turn to somebody close to you and say that. Say, you're not you when you're hungry. Come on, turn to somebody else and really mean it. Say, bro, I've just got to tell you, you don't really act yourself when you're hungry. And so the most amazing thing happened. Their plan worked, and all of a sudden people started going back to buying Snickers, and they just, they, they caught on to this idea that has, uh, has really stirred me because I know this to be true, that people really are not themselves when they are hungry. Some people get sad when they're hungry. Some people get mad when they're hungry. Some people get just a little irritable when they're hungry. 
But the fact of the matter is being hungry does change your behavior. But tonight I don't speak of a hunger that's satisfied from the, the delicious, delectable sneakers bar. And they are good. But I believe that when you are hungry for the presence of almighty God, it changes your behavior. The hunger that I speak of is that of a holy hunger for the things of God. And I have noticed that when someone is hungry, it changes the way they worship. It changes the way they pray. It changes the way they live. And Jesus said in our opening text that blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And Luke would say in Luke chapter 1 that he had filled the hungry with good things. I want to stop and tell you this. God cannot feel what is already full. That is why every now and then we must pause and say, God, have I allowed the things of this world to fill me up and suppress my appetite? I want you to empty me of everything that is not you. There should always be this ever-present craving and longing for the presence of God. I believe that God is sitting here to let you know that he is looking for a young person, not a young person that has it all together, not a young perfect that has a perfect life. No, somebody that just simply says, Jesus, I am hungry for you. But five chapters later, after Luke said that Jesus feels the hungry, he would say in Luke chapter 6, 25, but woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. The principle is very simple tonight, guys. God is looking for a hungry young person that says, I'm not perfect. I don't got it all together. I've got a lot of baggage. I've got a lot of scars. But Jesus, I want you to know I am so hungry for your presence and repeatedly in scripture Jesus would tell us that if we are hungry we are going to be filled because God will never leave a person empty that is hungry. That is why a moment ago when they begin to sing about the glory of God and we begin to express that that's all we really want. You can notice something begin to shift in the atmosphere. It's because when Jesus hears an invitation from a young person that's hungry, he will never leave you empty. In the scripture, that word hungry is paneno, which literally means that you can feel the pains in your stomach because you're so hungry. And Jesus said, if you can get like that for my presence, then I will come and visit you. And last August, I was praying one evening in my house, and it was the birthing place of this message. I, there was a scripture that always plagued my mind. Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, Jesus said, many are called 
but few are chosen. And I was praying about that and I said, God, why is it? Why is it that so many young people come into your presence and destiny is on their life and there's a call of God on their life and there's an anointing on their life and there's a future on their life, but somehow they walk out and they never see the fulfillment of the destiny that you have. Why, God, do they stay cold and they don't move into the realm of being chosen? And as clear as I've ever heard God speak to me, God said, because they are not hungry to see the process be fulfilled. You say, it only takes a moment for God to call someone. And you'll hear more about this tomorrow night. I believe that God has given me a direct word about the call of God, but it only takes a moment. It only takes one trip to the altar and you can hear God calling you. God's calling you to a ministry. God's calling you to serve. But here's where it gets hard. When you leave that moment and you have a choice to make, am I going to do what it takes to see that calling become a reality? Because when you leave, life has a way of showing up and saying, I heard you got a call today. I'm here to destroy that. And so there is a process that we must be willing to go through because being called is easy. Being chosen is not. Being called takes a moment. Being chosen takes a lifetime. Many are called and few are chosen because many are called but few are hungry. And in my short nine years of living for God and almost six years of being a youth pastor, I have noticed one common denominator that it doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter how talented you are. If you can just be hungry for God, he will use you. When a young person is hungry, God will always use them. Growing up, I always played sports, and my coaches would always tell me, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. But I can tell you that in the kingdom, hunger always triumphs talent. It doesn't matter how talented you are if you're not hungry. But it also doesn't matter how talentless you are if you are hungry. There is always room in the kingdom of God for someone that is hungry for him and his presence. But I must caution you because God has spoken to me many times and said, Drew, this generation, though they have great destiny, they must never confuse destiny with entitlement. The presence of destiny should never produce entitlement. We cannot walk away from an altar call and let everybody know that we're called and they need to start calling us the chosen one. You're not going to believe what happened at YX20. God called me to be a missionary. So now when you call me, I want you to show me some honor. I'm a missionary now. No. The presence of destiny 
should produce the presence of discipline to say I heard God call me now I'm going to do whatever it takes to see that calling come to pass I'm not entitled Jesus I know you don't owe me anything I know if I'm rebellious you'll use somebody else but I want you to hear me tonight I'm hungry I'm hungry I want you to use me I'll do whatever it takes And God is a God of process. And when God manifested himself in the flesh, he knew that one day his ministry and his journey to save the world would begin. But he went through the process of preparation for 30 years before he began a three-year ministry. God's preparation to ministry ratio was 10 to 1. For every year. He spent ministering and teaching parables and healing those that were sick. He spent 10 years in preparation. So who are we to feel as if we can circumvent the process? We must in our generation defeat this gener- this giant of entitlement. God, you don't owe me a ministry. God, you don't owe me anything. But I want you to know I'm hungry for what you want to freely give me. When we are hungry, God will notice and God will respond because when you're hungry, I want you to hear me. It doesn't matter how obscure you may feel. It doesn't matter how small your church is. It doesn't matter if your family lives for God or they don't. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. God will notice a young person. God will take notice of a young person that's praying when nobody prays, that fasts when nobody's fasting, that worship in spite of the family dilemmas that comes the church even though nobody else wants to God always notices the hungry and the Bible said when God was looking for a king to anoint David was not on social media telling everybody how great of a king he would be one day he wasn't doing Monday devotions with David hashtag ministry no the scripture simply says he was in an obscure place just being faithful And when the prophet came by to anoint someone to be king, his own father and brothers did not even feel that he deserved to be anointed, so they didn't invite him to the ceremony. But God spoke to the prophet and said, none of these are it. But there is a young person that nobody feels like is qualified, that nobody knows who they are, that nobody knows how many talents they have. I've just been watching this young man. I've just been watching this young person being faithful in spite of everybody else. And I want you to call David. And when David walks in the room, everyone saw a kid, but God saw a king because God always notices the hungry. I want you to hear me nine years ago. I didn't even know anything about this wonderful truth. I am from a very small town in the corner of the small state of Louisiana. I have nothing to offer except for the fact that I'm hungry for God. I want to see God do what he's never done and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And hear me, I remember I remember as a new convert, my family telling me that I needed to calm down. I remember those who would mock me and make fun of me. 
I remember there was this one particular person who went up to my pastor and said, when he goes back to college, he's going to walk away from God, never to serve him again. He was wrong. I graduated five years ago, and the only thing that's kept me is not because I'm special. It's just because I haven't lost my hunger for the things of God. And I want to encourage a young person that God has uniquely designed his kingdom to be a kingdom for the hungry. The kingdom of God, Paul would tell us, it's not built for the noble. It's not for the mighty. It's not for the fastest or the strongest. But it's for the hungry. It's for those that say, I've got a lot of things wrong with me, but I'm just hungry for God to use me. In Genesis chapter 25, we are revealed, or it is revealed to us, the power of hunger. There are two brothers, one by the name of Jacob, the other by the name of Esau. And the Bible says that Jacob was cooking some stew and Esau came in and said, I am so hungry, I am about to die. And he said, Jacob, Bro, I'm starving. Would you please give me a bowl of your soup? And Jacob, being the conniver that he was, said, I will if you give me your birthright. Now, in today's Western society, it's not a whole lot to be the older child except for you get the front seat. Or you should. Younger siblings, hear me. You got to let them get the front seat. And when they're gone, you get it. Somebody say amen. That's about all I got, being the oldest child. But in the scripture, it means that the father is going to leave a special inheritance for you. And Jacob said, I want you to give me what the father's going to give you, and I'll give you this soup. And the Bible says in verse number 30 that Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray, with the same red pottage, for I am faint. The scripture says, therefore was his name called Edom. Edom means red. And because Esau hungered for red pottage, his name was changed to red. Because what we hunger for and yearn after becomes our identity. We will be defined in life for what we are hungry enough to pursue. Everyone in this room is simply a product of what you pursue. And so Jacob talks him into it. And the scripture says that Jacob gives him the stew, the soup. And then Esau gives away his birthright. And we see the power of hunger between these two brothers. Esau was hungry, but Jacob was also hungry. And they were both defined and had their future altered by what they hungered for. You see, Esau hungered for what the flesh could give. But Jacob wanted what the father could give. And because of what they hungered for, their futures were forever changed. So we must decide tonight and for the rest of this weekend, are we hungry for what the flesh can offer? Or are we hungry for what only the Father can give us? If you are hungry, it doesn't matter about your imperfections. 
I don't know why I keep going back to this, but one of the things I see that's plaguing young people is they can't get over a mistake that they've already repented for. And you're like the prodigal son. You come back to the father, but you think you've got to settle to be a servant instead of being a son. But I want you to hear me. When Jesus forgives you, he still has every intention of using you like he did before you ever made the mistake. He just wants to know, are you hungry for it? Are you hungry for that ministry? Are you hungry for that calling? Are you hungry for that anointing? I want every young person to throw both of your hands in the air and I want you to express to Jesus Christ, Jesus, I am hungry. I know I messed up, but I'm hungry. I know I should have never left, but Jesus, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm not going to be much longer. I feel God is ready to minister to some students. I want you to hear me. In Matthew, or Mark rather, chapter 5. There's a story about a lady that we probably heard talked about at least once or twice. There was a lady. We don't know her name. We simply know her situation. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, and when Jesus was passed over again by a ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh to the sea. And behold, there come a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And I want you to try to picture this in your mind. Jesus is getting off the boat. And when he gets off the boat, Jairus runs to him and says, my little daughter is about to die. Jesus, can you come and help us? So Jesus went with him. So Jesus is now on the way to see Jairus' daughter. And the scripture says that much people followed him and thronged him. Now, that word in this original context simply means to press together, to come close. It's like what I like to call when someone is in your bubble. Have you ever had someone that was just a little bit too close to you? They're just kind of in your bubble. Don't look at them right now. They're sitting next to you. But you just kind of want to look at them and say, bro, you're just a little too close. I need you to back up a little bit. That's what that word means. That means that all of these people were thronging or they were close to Jesus. But Jesus is with Jairus on a mission to heal a young lady that's about to die. And out of nowhere in verse 25, the Bible says that a certain woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years comes out of nowhere. Now, we're not giving her name. We're only giving her problem. And so Jesus, come here, Isaiah. Isaiah is going to be Jesus tonight. Let's give it up for Isaiah. This is your one shot to fame. You're playing Jesus Christ. Don't mess this up, bro. It's a lofty responsibility. Are you up for it? He doesn't think so. I don't either, but that's what makes you special. 
But here's the deal. Jesus is surrounded by these people. Come here, you guys on the front row. Come here. All four of you guys, come, come. Unless you're working the camera, don't come. So Jesus is standing with Jairus. I want you guys to kind of form a circle around Jesus, a.k.a. Isaiah. So Jesus, you got to get this. He's on a mission to save a little girl who's about to die. A circle, not a half circle. There we go. Yeah, I know we can't draw a perfect circle, but maybe we can form one. There you go. Jesus is in the middle of these people. They're thronging him. You, you remember that word. They're, they're close to him. They're in Jesus' bubble. And then out of nowhere, there's this lady who's got these problems who feels like she can just interject herself into the situation. Because when you are hungry, my mother always taught me you don't have any manners. You don't really care what's going on. You just know Jesus is close and you need to talk to him. You see, when you're hungry, it doesn't matter that it's not the proper time to worship. When you're hungry, you say, I'm not supposed to be jumping, but I'm hungry. I'm not supposed to be spinning, but I'm hungry. I know I shouldn't run, but I'm hungry. Now watch this, verse 26. She suffered many things of many doctors. She spent all of her money and didn't get any better. This lady, and I'm not going to get too graphic. I know we have a mixed audience. This lady had an issue of blood for 12 years. And that issue, according to the law, made her unclean. That means she could not touch or even be in close proximity to anyone. So for 12 years, this mother, this wife, this lady was ostracized by the community because she had issues. And so for 12 years, she was devastated. She was broken. She tried every doctor. She spent every time she had, but she wasn't any better. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says in verse number 27, though when she had heard that Jesus was coming, she knew, I know the doctors couldn't help me. I know everybody else thinks I got all these issues, but something tells me if I can get to him, then I can be made whole. She said, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be made whole. And the Bible says that she came in the press and she touched him. And watch this in verse number 29. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. Now remember, the law says, I'm going to play the lady with the issue. I don't want to embarrass anyone. I'm the lady with the issue. The law says, if I touch him, I'm so dirty, he's now dirty. But the Bible says that when this woman somehow made it through the crowd and touched Jesus, that that was the ultimate case of Jesus reversing the curse because you see, she was so dirty 
Anything that she touched was now dirty. But Jesus was so powerful that anything that touched him could not stay dirty. I want you to hear me. It doesn't matter what you've been through. When you get in the presence of God, he's greater. He's greater. He's greater. He's greater. He's greater. There is no issue greater. I want you to stay standing. There is no depth of uncleanness that Jesus cannot reverse. There is no sin too deep that the blood can't cover. There are no mistakes in quantity or quality that Jesus can take care of. And so Jesus, and here's what amazes me about this particular miracle, is most times in the Gospels, when Jesus would heal someone, it was because he touched them. But this miracle came from a lady who touched him. Because when you are hungry, you don't have enough time to follow the protocol. You say, I will reach, and by faith, I will bring my miracle to me. No one spoke a word of faith. No one even acknowledged her presence. It was as if her faith was so great that she literally pulled it out of Jesus. Because he said, I felt virtue or power go out of me. Now watch this. He said to his disciples, who touched me? His disciples in verse 31 says, Jesus. Now look, I don't mean to be a smart aleck to you, Lord, but don't you see all of these guys around you and you want to know who touched you, everybody's touching you. Because when Jesus was walking, they were all bumping into him. They were close. You remember that word throng? And they were close. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. When the Bible talks about the multitude touching, the word is sothiplo. But when Jesus referenced the unclean lady touching him, it's haptomai which literally means to fasten oneself to as to not let go. And Jesus said, there's a lot of people that are content to be close, but there's one person that was hungry enough to say, Jesus, I'll do what nobody else is doing because I want what nobody else is getting. And here's what's amazing. They had every right to touch him. She had no right. But when you're hungry, you'll violate the rules because you have to touch Jesus. And this is what Jesus, the Bible says, that Jesus turned to look to see who it was. I have no explanation as to know how Jesus knew it was that lady other than the fact that he was God and he could see a touch that wasn't like everybody else. And the Bible says in verse 33, 
that the lady came and fell at his feet. She thought she was going to be rebuked. Her head was hanging down. I know I'm unclean, Jesus. I know I've got all these issues. I know I've got all these problems. I know I've got all these struggles. I know I'm not supposed to touch you. I know I'm not supposed to even be here. And Jesus looked at her, and this is what he said. Go to verse 33. He looked down to see, and as she fell down before him, she told him all the truth, but verse 34, one of my favorite verses in the scripture. And as she's bowing, expecting to be rebuked, Jesus looks at her and says, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now that's interesting because nowhere else in the Gospels does Jesus call another woman daughter except the lady that has issues. And what God spoke to me is when there is someone who is hungry enough to do what no one else will do, I will speak to them what I have never spoken to anyone. Because when you are hungry for Jesus, you'll be able to hear what no one else is hearing. When you're hungry enough to say, I'll pray a little bit more. I'll fast a little bit more. I'll be a little bit more radical. You can make fun of me if you want to, but I'm hungry. Jesus says, that's a young person that I can speak to and reveal to them my plans. Because one lady was hungry to touch him. Most commentators suggest that she crawled past her mat on her hands and knees. She made a fool of herself. But she had a mindset. If I can touch him... I know everything will change and that's what I've come to preach to every young person at Youth Explosion 2020 that it doesn't matter how many issues you have all you need to do is come and be hungry enough to touch him because in a moment Jesus can reverse the curse in one moment it doesn't take years to reverse years of mistakes that's the beauty about the mercy of God he can turn years of mistake around in a moment I want every young person to lift your hands close your eyes we cannot be content to be close we must be hungry enough to be changed I'm going to close with this verse I want you to keep your hands lifted Psalm chapter 107 verse 35 he makes the wilderness turn into standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there, somebody's out there, that's where the hungry dwell because they're going to prepare a city for habitation. And the hungry are going to sow the fields and they're going to plant vineyards that's going to produce fruit. And the hungry are going to be multiplied greatly and suffer not the cattle to decrease. I want every student to hear me in 2020. God is simply looking for a hungry young person. Thank you guys.
hunger outweighs your hindrances. I don't mean to tell a personal story, but this is all I have. I was 19 when I came to the Lord. I had a lot of mistakes. I had a lot of baggage. I remember hearing a call that I felt unworthy to do. But one thing that I have tried to do since July the 4th, 2010 is to continue to be hungry. I want to see God do something he's never done. Brother Sam Memory always says the coach saves the best players for the end of the game. God puts you in the end time for a reason. It's not to get entitled. It's an honor to be in the kingdom. But it's so you will be hungry because we're on the precipice of the greatest revival that's ever happened. And I don't know about you. I don't want to just stand back and watch. I want to be involved. And I am hungry enough to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I am hungry. I'm not satisfied with this world. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. So on this first night of YX 2020, we're going to set the tone for this weekend because we're hungry. I want every hungry student to race to the altar as fast as you can. Come on, I don't want it to be with hesitation. I want you to come as a sign. Jesus, I'm hungry. Come on, Jesus promised that he would fill the hungry with good things. We're going to take a moment right now to empty ourselves. Jesus, I'm sorry if I've allowed anything to take your place. Come on, I want every young person right now, I want you to pray that. I'm sorry, God, if I've allowed other things to fill me up. I want my vessel to be full of your presence. Before they sing, there's an intimate moment that God's wanting to have with every young person. Empty. Empty yourselves. This is what we're going to pray. Because you've got to leave tonight with a true understanding of God's mercy. Because I've seen it too many times. A hungry student leaves an altar call where they hear the voice of God only to be met by the voice of condemnation that tries to serve as a reminder of every mistake that you've ever made. But I want you to hear what Isaiah said. God spoke to the prophet Isaiah and said, your sin will I remember no more. Now that's amazing because God knows everything. But God's mercy is greater than his memory. And so when he washes you in the blood, he doesn't remember it anymore. So this is what we're going to pray. I want every student to lift your hands. We're going to pray a releasing prayer. We're going to release things that we don't need to hold on to anymore. For some of you, that's shame. For some of you, that's regret. For some of you, that's anxiety. 
I want you to pray it right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release what's holding me back. I release that mindset that I can't do this because of my family. I release the shame and condemnation. Come on, YX20. I want you to release it. You're going to let it go, and you're never going to pick it back up. You're going to let it go, never to deal with it again. Let it go. Let it go. Empty yourself. Let it go. Let it go. Let the regret go. Let the shame go. Let it go. Come on, repent. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. But I can't carry the baggage of regret. I let it go. Now we're going to play one more prayer. And then they're going to sing. I want every student again. I want you to lift your hands. I believe there's power. It's a posture of surrender and availability. We had prayed the releasing prayer. Now we are going to posture ourselves to pray the receiving prayer. And we are going to receive everything that Jesus has for us. Hear me. Do not settle for anything less than what he has. Come on, I want you to stretch your hands high. I'm going to pray this prayer. And, and when I'm done, I'm going to shout hallelujah. And when I do, I want you to lift your voice. And there are going to be some of you, you're going to begin to speak with other tongues for the first time as the Spirit begins to come. And some of you need a renewing. And God's about to pour it out because you've gotten things out so you can make room for Him. When you hear me shout hallelujah, I want you to shout as loud as you can. Father, in the name of Jesus, upon the authority of your word, and by the power of the name of Jesus, I command the angels of the Lord to begin to go in throughout this building, depositing into every student that good and perfect gift which comes from above. We rebuke shame and condemnation and we receive your grace and your mercy. But most of all, let there be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. I command healing to flow into this room. Healing of the mind, healing of the body. In Jesus' name I pray. Now somebody shout hallelujah. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Come on, let it go. 